3: What's a Padawan? Must be the money, boy! Oh, mama! The best in college football.
2: The best in college sports.
3: This is College Sports Now.
2: Your inside look at the biggest games from around the nation.
1: Here's Steven Hartzell
4: and Roddy Jones. Ah, yeah, fired up on a Monday. We get to talk to Hot Rod for the next hour and change. Roddy Jones live from the ATL. Has, Has Atlanta fired their head football coach yet? Come on, man you going to start off the podcast like this? Well, before the microphones were hot, you were saying how you were invested uh, on Sunday into, you know, a little Deshaun Watson versus Matt Ryan action, and I know that didn't go well for your boys, so I just
1: figured I'd, I'd follow up. That's all. Uh, yeah, it, it went very poorly, and uh, as a matter of fact, no, our head football coach is still our head football coach, and uh, publicly what I'll say about that is uh, that I'm standing behind him. Please. The, the, the toddler in the background, not so much, though. Yeah, she's not happy, nor should she be. I mean, you yeah. gave up
4: you give up a fifty burger to the lowly Texans. That's generally not how you want to start your week off. That's a bad look. Real bad yeah. look. By the way, are we just gonna ask Deshaun Watson at the podium every day or every every Sunday now, like what opponents are doing in layman's terms where he does the thing with the fists and he drags the safeties down and he you know what I'm talking about? Yep. I mean, uh, don't you like it? I do. I do. It's just, you know, it, it, the, the way that the genesis of this, the way it came to be a thing, you know, a reporter asked a question, he gets jumped on. And then now it's like, hey, Deshaun, can you do that thing again where you kind of explain what defenses do in layman's terms so we can understand? Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks. How was their football weekend otherwise? I know the Falcons didn't bring it home for either one of us, but um, wild week six on the gridiron, including a couple of uh, crazy ACC games that we'll talk about.
1: Uh, the weekend was good. It was it was a fun week. It feels like we're we're finally starting to get into it where things actually matter. You know, we talk about all this non-conference stuff, and there's a lot of cupcake games. We're getting to the point now where, if nothing else, the cupcake games are conference cupcake games, and the ones that aren't are are, are ones that matter. So, uh, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. It was obviously a crazy weekend for the league that I cover, the ACC. But across the country, there were some ones where you look up and you go, whoa, whoa. That that just happened and uh, it's going to have a lasting impact. Uh, And I think the biggest one of that was was obviously Auburn going down at the University of Florida.
4: Let's talk about that game because we're going to do a deep dive in the ACC with our man David Hale from ESPN and the ACC network. He's going to be stopping by in about 30 minutes from now. So we'll, we'll, we'll save some of the heavy ACC talk for our man David Hale coming up in a little bit. But yeah, Florida, Auburn. Here's the deal. I picked against Bo Nix two weeks earlier in the season against Oregon and against Texas A&M. He burned me twice, and the true freshman kind of showed up a little bit on, uh, on Saturday afternoon in a hostile environment throwing three interceptions. But, uh, you know, we got some sound from that game because Florida got started hot early, first play of the game on offense. Here's what happened.
2: Gators with trips again, wide right. Pirine now lines up to the left of Trask. Again, a yard, second and nine. There's the snap to Trask. Trask looks to throw. He's got the receiver. There's Swain at the 40. Cuts between the hash marks inside the 30. Inside the 20. He's going to go. He's going to go. Touchdown.
4: That is Mick Hubert. That is the longtime Hall of Fame radio voice of the Florida Gators. Inject that into my veins on a Monday morning. That just just, just a straight IV drip of that in my, uh, in my bloodstream. I lied. That wasn't the first play of the game, it was the second play of the game for Florida. Come on, but, Steven. But still, I mean, I, 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 here was my takeaway from that game uh, Dan Mullen is pretty good at calling plays. And, and man, Auburn's defensive line was just in Florida's backfield all day. I mean, Derek Brown, good luck. You cannot block that guy. He was everywhere. Uh, but, man, Florida 24-13, they get the win over Auburn. And I, I, I'm kind of looking at this Gator team a little bit differently than I was a week ago, Roddy. I'll be honest with you. I know they go to LSU Saturday night, and I'm pretty sure I know how that's going to go.
1: Oh, it's going to be a boat race.
4: I, boat see, I, race. Vegas agrees with you. I, I, it's a huge line. I don't think it's going to be a boat race. I think boat Florida's is going to have a hard time keeping track with LSU's offense certainly, but I don't think LSU's defense is nearly as good as what they saw Saturday when Auburn came to town. Um
1: that that may be correct, but uh you you're not you've got a, a quarterback at Joe Burrow who's playing as well as anybody in the country. And 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 Florida, let's not forget, Florida turned the ball over four times and Auburn had opportunities that would have totally changed the game. So so if you go back to the uh so I think it was the second quarter, uh, the Bo Nix pass to Seth Williams. Seth Williams is wide open down the field. Bo Nix overthrows him by just a little bit. Seth Williams is able to make the catch, but he's off balance, falls down at like the 10. Then they have a couple of plays. Bo Nix throws an interception. That's a touchdown off the board. Derek Williams, uh, the, the scoop and score that he had, or the fumble that he recovered, or excuse me, Derek Brown, He's going down the sideline, and a sniper from the 12th row shoots him in the back of the leg, and hate he goes see down. Yep, hate to when see he's it. Wa- I mean, that's a big man touchdown all day. Yes. That's 14 points that you take off the board, and not only do you take that off the and, – and that's like 14 gimme points. That's, that's not, hey, if this goes wrong, if this goes right, if things happen. No, no, no. These are touchdowns. There's nothing but end zone in front of you that you don't get in. That's 14 points right there. So Florida turned the ball over four times that and, and needed the four turnovers uh, from Auburn to be able to win that game. So, so as well as, as I, as good a win as this is for Florida. And, and I actually think it's more of a return to normal. Like Florida should win this game. Freshman quarterback coming into the swamp um, in the, in sec play, Florida should win this game. Now they have not in the past. So that's a testament to Dan Mullen and where they're at now. They should win this game. But uh, you, uh, up against LSU, man, they just have not made the mistakes that Auburn made. And, and without those mistakes, Florida doesn't, Florida doesn't, doesn't win this game. And I'm not, just t- I'm not talking about the interceptions. The interceptions are a totally different thing. I'm talking about the mistakes of simply not scoring when there's nothing but green grass in front of you.
4: That's fair. Although Florida made their fair share of mistakes, they fumbled the ball three times in the first quarter. I mean, both teams turned it over four times on the day. There, there was just a game of mistakes. It was a right. sl- it was no, a slap no, fest. But
1: exactly, I, like the turnovers aside, turnovers aside, if Auburn simply does not fall down two times, it's a completely different ball Simply doesn't fall down, and then you can talk about the turnovers. Bodnik's throwing it right to a Florida defender in the end zone, all that stuff. Like, if you get points out of those, again, different ballgame. But I'm talking about, like, just keeping your feet. It's a completely different ballgame. So let's not forget how this game went, because Auburn had legitimate opportunities with nothing but green grass in front to score touchdowns that we don't have to guess on what would have happened if, if, you know, a safety comes, if he doesn't make that throw. No, just don't fall down, and you're good. Florida goes to
4: LSU Saturday night. It is a night game. CBS is elected to take... Uh, the Alabama at Texas A&M game for whatever reason. I, that That's not going to be competitive. Johnny Manziel's not walking through that door anytime soon. But it leaves Florida LSU to be at night. I don't believe LSU has played a night game in Baton Rouge so far this season. It's an 8 o'clock kick. Uh, I believe they're already tailgating. I can already smell the bourbon from here. You want to <sighs> guess what the line is? Florida at LSU Saturday night?
1: Uh, since you said that Vegas agrees with me on the boat race, I'm going to say 13 and a hook. Are you?
4: Is that just a guess? Is that yeah, just that a, a, a random guess? That
1: was a random guess. The line, not for, at
4: the, fl- the line for Florida LSU is, in fact, 13 and a hook. I mean, when you got it, you got it. Bro. Rod Stradamus. When you got it, you got it. Rod Stradamus <laughs> has made an appearance eight minutes into the show. I believe that's a record. Very good. Very good. I, I don't agree. I, well, here, let me Let me back up. I agree with the line. LSU should be favored by two touchdowns because, quite frankly, that offense is elite right now. I think Florida will keep it within two
1: touchdowns. I do. You think so? Yes, I do. See, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I get that uh, LSU's front isn't going to be as good as Auburn's, but f- this Florida offensive line has struggled for most of the season. I mean, and and to they the will game. continue to struggle. Yeah, And they will struggle. So, So it'll elevate the play of that LSU front a little bit, at least. And then on offense, like, I I don't know. You know, maybe LSU has been doing it with smoke and mirrors, but it certainly does not look like it because they have been absolutely ro- ro- rolling so far this season.
4: Uh, Auburn heads into their bye week uh, before they hit a couple of road games coming up later in October at Arkansas should be no problem. Then they visit Baton Rouge on October the 26th. So Auburn picks up their first loss of the year and the Gators are now 6-0 on the campaign. Uh, Speaking of big time matchups from this weekend, we've got to talk about Michigan and Iowa. Do we not a lot of offense to speak of the Wolverines got the win 10 to three. We've got some hardball post game sound in the locker room. And rightfully so he praised his defense, which is what he should do because that's the reason they won the game. Let's hear it.
2: Don Brown called a, called a great game. Uh, The other thing was our, our defense was just running all out effort from uh, the first snap to the last Uh, some really great corner play. And, uh, and the guys up front, Sean New and the, uh, the D-line, the, they were relentless.
4: All right, there you go. Jim Harbaugh, postgame, Michigan Radio <laughs> Network. I got to be honest with you, man. We were parked on that game because it was a noon kick. It was one of our featured games on the Blitz. And that was one of the most boring-ass games I've seen in a long time. I mean, that was – it was bad, man.
1: It was bad. If you had to uh, – if you had to – had to take prisoners and sh- subject them to the absolute most boring of Big Ten football, you would put that game on a loop, man. It was, for, for anybody for anybody who, who comes at me with like, oh, this defense, uh, that that game was a great defensive game and uh, you have to be able to appreciate what they do. Like the people who said that after the Super Bowl this past year, the 13-3 snooze fest that was the Super Bowl, like get out of my life. Get out of my life. I don't want that game anywhere near me. Ever. It was bad. Now, here's, here's the thing.
4: I had to spend the whole week hearing about, now, granted, it was in the wake of the Rutgers game. But, hey, Michigan's offense is back on track. Shea Patterson, these guys have figured it out. They're clicking. Mm-hmm. No, they're not clicking. Okay? And if you look at the Big Ten right now, you got some big boy offenses in your division alone. Ohio State, which we'll get to in a little bit. And Penn State, and Michigan's got to go on the road and play in most likely what will be a whiteout at Penn State in two weeks. Do we have any confidence that Michigan's offense is going to be able to keep track with either one of those teams on that side of the ball? I mean, sure, you can get a couple of defensive stops. Maybe you get a defensive score. But, I mean, if you asked Michigan's offense to give you 30 points in a game, I, I don't feel very confident, Roddy, that they're going
1: to be able to do that. No, they can't. Uh, Or at least I haven't seen it. They haven't done it. So uh, especially the Ohio State thing, like that's a totally separate thing, like totally separate because uh, number one, they don't beat Ohio State. And number two, Ohio State's offense looks like one of the most elite units in college football. Um, Penn State's another thing. Penn State's look great on offense as well. Uh, Their defense isn't going to be as talented, certainly as Ohio State, but I don't trust Michigan to give me 30 points. Definitely not 30. Do you trust them to give you 24 pushing it that's tough that's tough I don't know man you know and and the nature of these games is they tend to be shorter lower possession games although you get up against those two squads and you may be able to get up up there in possession because of the tempo of their offenses but uh yeah I don't I don't I don't trust it and and to me from what I've seen this year and I think I picked Michigan to be in my final four didn't I Second straight year I did that I think. Yeah,
4: no, you 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 fell forward again. Yeah,
1: you Ev- did. Eventually, I'm gonna learn, man. Eventually, I'm gonna learn. I can't trust them. Just
4: can't trust them. Here's what the next month looks like for Michigan. Okay, let us just play a little game. They're at Illinois on Saturday. Okay, Dup. they they will handle their business. They are expected
1: to. Although, watch watch that Lovey Smith beard, man. Lovey Smith beard will get longer it and it will get wider
4: uh, yeah. after Michigan rolls through there on uh, on Saturday afternoon in Champagne. But then they got to go to Penn State. They host Notre Dame, and then they go to College Park to play a Maryland team that, at times, can light the scoreboard up.
1: You're looking at two and two there. Maybe three and one. Maybe three and, and one. And honestly, uh, after Maryland, you're at Michigan State, which that game, if if 20 points are scored in that game, I will be shocked. Shocked. So you never know how those defensive games go. I don't know, man. you know uh, so if if let's say you're two and two after the four games that you just talked about, that's uh six and three. Obviously, Ohio State at the end of the year is a loss, six and four. So at the top, you're eight and four. Is that, a, is that a year that Jim Harbaugh can go out and say, hey, we had a good year? Here's the deal. No, absolutely not. No, I, no, 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 no. You cannot lose four games in,
4: in what's supposed to be a year where you're favored to win your division. No, absolutely not. That cannot happen. Will Harbaugh get fired because of it? No. But that's, that is beyond disappointing. If Michigan's defense plays like they did Saturday against teams like Ohio State, against teams like Penn State, then yeah, you got a chance. Because the game's going to be 10-3. to I don't uh, think you're going to keep Ohio State's offense to 10 points. I don't exactly. think you're going to be able to keep Penn State's offense to 10 it's, points. Exactly. We're talking about Iowa here. Now, having they can, said that, it, Penn State visits Iowa Saturday. That'll be a fun game. You know, a clash of styles there. But still, I, I just, come on now. It's Michigan's like,
1: defense can play like this against Ohio State, and they'll hold Ohio State to 28.
4: By the way, we've got, we've got some Ohio State sound while we're doing some Big Ten stuff. Let's just jump into it. Uh, Michigan State traveled to the shoe to play Ohio State. This game was competitive for about a quarter.
2: Fields in the shotgun. Dobbins to his left on third down. Snap Justin Fields. Hands K.J. Dobbins. Running right side to his 35, to his 40, to the 50 goes Dobbins, to the Spartan 30, to the 20 of Michigan State, to the 10 goes Dobbins, and into the end zone goes J.K. Dobbins breaking a big one loose and taking it from his own territory to the end zone. To the tune of 67 yards, 23-10 Ohio State. That's Paul
4: Keels. They call him Big Daddy, and uh, you can hear why. Ohio State Radio Network, uh, courtesy of uh, Learfield IMG College. You, you get the idea. J.K. Dobbins was doing his thing, and Ohio State rolled in this game 34-10. You know, look, Michigan State did their part. They, they tried. They, they tried to limit offensive possessions but this buckeyes offense man it's rolling roddy and and if you want to start ranking cuz this is you know micro macro zoom out a little bit okay we got some elite offenses in college football alabama in no specific order alabama ohio state lsu oklahoma there's other teams that are quote unquote contenders like a georgia like a michigan although michigan's got a loss like a florida that's going to be a, a, a top 10 team when the new AP poll comes out. But my point is, like, those teams can't keep pace with these elite offenses right now. I, I just think it's apples and oranges, man. Uh
1: yeah, you know, from what we've seen so far, yeah, of course. But but the apples and oranges is is who have you played? And uh, Ohio State, obviously, Michigan State's a good defense. Uh they've got a an all-American in the middle there with Joe Bocce. Uh, and, and they're talented. I mean, look at what they did earlier this year to uh, uh, to, to to teams like um, uh, uh, sorry, I'm blanking here. To teams like Indiana, obviously, uh, they they, they win that game. But Northwestern, we thought was going to be a pretty good defense. Uh, Western Michigan's a pretty good offense. All in all, albeit a group of five squad. So, so that's not a a, a uh, that's not a defense that is just a a rollover. It's not it's not a defense that, you know, is going to give up. 30 points every single time they roll out there and you said it they kept it close for a quarter I mean, but but the explosiveness of this Ohio State offense I, I think is the biggest thing that sets them apart that J.K. Dobbins run uh Justin Fields eventually got going a little bit um although he looked uncomfortable to start I would say um but but ended up picking it up and when you talk about the elite offenses in college football, it's not all about it, but when you have a team like Ohio State that's playing so well on offense with questions coming into this year about it, when you have a team like LSU that has shown consistently they can play defense, now they're starting to perform offensively. Obviously, we knew about Alabama. Uh, you, you you didn't mention some other teams that are going to be there that maybe aren't putting up the numbers, like a Clemson, uh, a Georgia, you could throw them in the mix. Uh, it's, it's, it absolutely is, you know, it's kind of the haves and the have nots. And I'm not sure that it's anything that we didn't know coming into the year, though. Like, is there any team that you thought coming into the year that would be a contender that is not showing you enough offensively to do it? I guess for me, it would be Michigan because I picked them. But uh, but I think that was more an indictment on what we knew about Ohio State to come into the season.
4: Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, look, Oregon picked up a loss in week one. I thought their offense would be a little bit more dynamic than it is right now. They, they've struggled against uh, elite defenses. Like, they struggled to put away Cal on Saturday night. And, and, and Cal, I know they're your Bears, Roddy. I mean, you, you, you said a couple weeks ago, if and when they go undefeated. No, no, they no. no. Will I said the if. Playoff. There was no
1: win. There was no end win. It was whatever. just if. Whatever. It was just if. Yeah, well, whatever. It was just if.
4: By the way, speaking of the Pac 12, I woke up on Sunday morning. Granted, I did not stay up to watch this game. Shame on you, Washington! Yeah. Come on. I, I watched but, but that game. And why? It was, why? What I mean, happened?
2: Uh, Jacob Eason is not good at quarterback. <laughs> Ooh. Every single throw he made, like, granted Stanford was getting to him. They like David Shaw grew up drew up some good uh, schemes to to neutralize this Washington offense. Every single throw Jacob Eason made off his back foot, he has the worst. He has this terrible like, and a lot of quarterbacks do it. This terrible like turn around and just run backwards away from the pressure, but then not go anywhere and then throw it off his back like he was awful.
1: Oof. They're bad. Uh, but but look, so the one thing I will say about Stanford is uh defensively at home, they've been kind of salty this year. They've been a little salty. So okay, let's 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 go down their games. Uh they get Northwestern at home to start the season, gave up 7 points, 210 total yards. Northwestern's terrible. Uh, okay. They uh played Oregon at home, gave up 6 points I'm sorry, gave up 21 points. Uh, They only scored six. But they only gave up 320 yards of total offense. 21 points to an Oregon team that, good offense, like you said, we thought they'd be good this year, and I still think they'll be pretty good. And then this game, Washington, you give up 13 points, 369 yards. That's compared to giving up 501 at Oregon State, 545 at UCF, and 492 at Southern Cal all of those, except for Oregon State, ended up being L's, and they gave up 45 in the Southern Cal and UCF games. So, so obviously, the the, the thing you need to know about Stanford, and here's what you need to know about that for the rest of the year, uh, defense does not travel. But if you get them at home, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Notre Dame, at the end of the year, better watch out. Pretty good. Jacob Easton's stat line from
4: Saturday night, 16 of 36. Uh, one touchdown, one interception and Washington has fallen from 15th in the polls to the uh, vaunted N.R., and rightfully so, uh, because that's, I mean, look, Stanford has not been great, (laughs) and you're supposed to handle your business, UW.
2: You know, uh, Stanford going into the game had seven healthy offensive linemen, seven Mm. healthy scholarship offensive linemen. Mm. One of them went down during the game, Mm. and they still dominated. Good thing you only play five. Other takeaways from the
4: uh, from the weekend, Roddy Jones, because we're going to have David Hale from uh, ESPN and the ACC network stopping by here in about 10 minutes. We will talk about the wackiness that was uh, Miami and Virginia Tech with uh, with David Hale.
1: Yeah, um, other takeaways uh, so look, uh, LSU obviously took care of business. Uh, Texas to me, mm, mm, Morgantown's a tough place to go play. Let's just say that. We've
4: got some sound. Texas getting it done on the road where they burn couches.
2: Has the snap. Back to throw. Looking to the right. Still looking. Pressure coming now. Ellinger takes off. 15, 10, 5. Ellinger dives. Touchdown, Texas. Sam Ellinger held the ball to the last possible minute and just charged straight down the middle 13 yards to the end zone. That is
4: Craig Way, voice of the Longhorns, Texas uh, radio from uh, Learfield IMG College 4231 number 11 Texas getting it done sets up a spicy matchup at the uh, Texas State Fair Saturday at high noon Oklahoma and uh, Texas Lego give how, me some of that how do you think that one's going to go well you guessed the line earlier when i asked you Florida at LSU would you like to guess the line when Oklahoma and Texas meet at a uh, meet at a neutral location
1: saturday afternoon um Sure, I'll go, uh, it's probably double digits, so I'm going to go uh, 16 and a half.
4: Come on, that's disrespectful. Oklahoma is a 10-point favorite against mm. Texas. Mm. I got to be honest with you, man, that's a little too much. Is that, Yeah,
1: that's, that's too much. What have you seen from Texas this year that makes you think they can stop uh Oklahoma I didn't say they were going to stop Oklahoma but if we're so you talking think they're going to score on Oklahoma I think
4: they'll be able to keep it within 10 yes I okay. do yes okay. come on uh,
1: yeah I mean Oklahoma's look. defense has played who exactly I mean that's true that is a that is a fair criticism of Oklahoma's defense but Oklahoma's defense uh has not given up more than 31 since week one and that was to Houston um they played Texas Tech they played Kansas they played UCLA uh, and those teams have put up numbers on other teams. That's fine. So. But
4: consider what happens. Consider what happens when Oklahoma plays a team. Okay. Oklahoma jumps on said team. Said team has to abandon the run and try, you know, unsuccessfully to try to get back into a game, which means let's throw the ball a bunch. Let's not kick field goals. If it's fourth and four, we got to go for it because we're down three scores. You know what I mean? So uh, the numbers are what they are. But Texas. Has played LSU. I realized they lost to LSU, but they well they played. gave up forty. They gave up forty five to LSU. They did, so. and the over under on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl is seventy five points. Okay, so again, this is not going to be Michigan Iowa part two. This is not going to be a ten to three game. This is going to be 45-40. I mean, it, it's going to be a shootout. It, it yeah. is. But then again, so was last year's game. Remember, yep. you had Dicker the kicker at the end there, winning it for uh, for Texas. So. Yeah. And didn't they have? They had Oklahoma down like twenty one, right in the fourth quarter before Kyler Murray and them Kyler boys came storming back.
1: back. Yeah, he had that. Uh, had that run up the sideline that kind of sparked them. Um, where he ran by the entire Texas secondary, entire Texas defense. But
4: last year uh, it was 48-45, texas yeah, not,
1: Oklahoma. I, I think Oklahoma's defense is better this year, not by much, but they are. They are. Better. Look, they they look. They are better. It's hard for them to be worse. So, and I don't, I don't know that Texas' offense, I think, I think Oklahoma's offense is slightly worse, just slightly, I mean like a hair slightly, because you lose Hollywood Brown and you lose a, the Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray, you're going to take a slight, and I mean real slight, the slightest of slights, step back.
4: <laughs>
1: the defense has taken a step forward, full step forward. Texas to me looks, they're, they're probably about the same on offense, is that fair? About the same on offense as they were a year ago, and I don't think they're as good on defense.
4: Where do you put uh, Sam Ellinger in the pantheon of college football quarterbacks right now?
1: In the pantheon?
4: Yeah. Like How many what, how what? many people are on
1: the pantheon?
4: Well, okay. Well, if we're ranking, like, is he a top five quarterback in college football? No. Is he a top 10? No. You, no. you were quick to say no there.
1: No. Is he a no. top
4: 10 quarterback in college football? No.
1: He's not. He's not. Wow. No. There's 130 starting quarterbacks, so... Being top ten is real. That's really elite, but no, he's 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 not there. At Roddy um, Jones twenty, Texas at, fans, hop if, on if, if you'd like to uh, give hop Roddy a man. shout out on the uh, on the Twitter machine, there we can we can very quickly get to ten before before you start to go Sam Ellinger. Very I
4: feel quickly. like he's there, man. I feel like he's eight, nine, or ten, but I think he's there.
1: Do you want to do this exercise? No, It'll, it's going to take a second. No, I don't. We can, I, we I can don't. very quickly get to ten.
4: We can ask David Hale what he thinks. He covers okay. the sport nationally. He might Let's have a little bit of perspective on this, but I I, I do think that.
1: I mean, just in terms of
4: – yeah, I mean, I think he's there. I do. If, if I'm gonna to going to have to come up with the list going, here.
1: Okay, I'm, I am too. When we when we go to break, I'm going to come up with a list, and we can compare after David Hale.
4: All right. That's why I, I hear you. I hear you rustling papers there in the office. Oh, rustling. Yes. Rustling. Yes. Love it. You got a nice office set up there. You got to have a nice pad of paper. You got to have good pens. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a paper mate guy with the pens lately. You know about Are the you? flare
1: pens? Yeah. Felt tip. Yeah. See, I actually like smooth ride. Big, I was a big fan of, uh, of pens, and I still am, but I actually go mechanical pencils when I'm in the office. Wow, that, that is know. so Georgia Tech of you, the, bro. The, the tool mechanical pencils, T U L. You're oh. not even
2: using a BIC? Come on. I, what I, do you know mean, of, bro? I know about TULs. That, if, I believe that's have,
1: the Staples in-house brand. I believe. If, you, if you have, it doesn't matter what it is. If you have not tried one and written with it, uh, you are missing out because this thing is like, it's like, it's like ice skating. It's like a beautiful ice skater on the ice. It just glides so smoothly. And then if you make a mistake, you can always erase. I mean,
4: I don't know who else uses mechanical
1: pencils in 2019, but leave
4: it to Roddy Jones, Georgia Tech. Graduate. What do they use, regular pencils? I still use regular pencils. Yes, I do. What? Not like a? You have a pencil sharpener? We have one in our break room.
2: Wow. Regular pencil, greater than sign, mechanical pencil. Roddy, There's I that. work in radio, man. Like
4: sometimes I get asked to call like a baseball game. I need pencils to do that. You ever kept score? Yeah, keep it in pen. Wow, well, that's because balsy, Okay. Very aggressive, my friend. (laughs) Your boy don't make mistakes. (laughs) Yeah, very aggressive. Yeah, well, especially when you live that TV life and you got people handing you stats and snacks and makeup and, you know, air conditioners and all kinds of other stuff. Oh,
1: my gosh. By the way, where are
4: you at this weekend? I know you were down on the flats. You got to sleep in your own bed for Georgia Tech in North Carolina. Yep. Uh, Jackets, futility continues. Uh, Nice win for North Carolina on the road. Where are you at coming up on Saturday?
1: I am uh, nowhere on Saturday. I am at home um, because of a scheduling quirk and because of the 14-week season. I got moved to a midweek game. I got some Sunbelt action on Thursday night. ULM at Texas State. Where is Texas State geographically? San Marcos, Texas. It's about uh, 45 minutes south of Austin, I believe. Uh, Little known fact, it's about 15 miles North of where my wife was born and grew up. New Braunfels, Texas. How about that? There you go. So are we
4: taking the whole crew? No, sir. No, no. no Have sir. you done that yet? Have you traveled with the two girls?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've traveled with them. On to a Texas, plane. Texas, actually. Yeah, yeah, on a plane.
4: I'll be honest. Yep. Um, It is, it's extremely difficult. It, it's, it, it's very it's,
1: hard. It's stressful, bro.
4: It is stressful, stressful. And I don't travel well on my own. Like, I'm an anxious flyer. Not because I think we're going to crash, but just because I don't. Like, I, got, I just don't enjoy flying. I don't, I don't like the sensation of being in the air, the takeoff and the landing. They just, you know, I, I'm not comfortable on a plane. And Again, not because I think we're going to crash, but just because the seats aren't comfortable, everyone's sick, people are disgusting, and it's just an unsafe environment. It's just, it's gross. But doing it with two kids and having to put on a front for them is really hard. Yeah. It, it's not easy.
1: Well, I'm I'm not a I'm not as nervous Nelly a flyer as you, you fly are. Fly all the time, man. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs>
4: but uh, you probably but got yeah. status too. You got There's status, the, don't you?
1: Uh, Admirals not, Club. Yeah, no, I've seen you in there. Admirals Club, bro. Or whatever it is. You know where I fly out of. A whatever whatever the
4: Delta equivalent of that is. There you go. I, what there is it? Go. What's it Diamond called? Diamond medallion yes, or whatever. There, yeah, yeah. There no, is. I'm
1: not that. I'm not that.
4: You got loafers that they put on for you when you get You're into the plane? Right.
1: man. Welcome
4: back, Mr. Jones.
1: No, nobody knows. Nobody knows my name, anything. I'm just lucky if people don't call me, if, if they refer to me as Mr. Jones and not Roddy White. That's all, that's, that's all I ask. Does that happen? People call you Roddy White? It happened twice on Saturday. Did Wes call you Roddy White in the booth? Look, I, I'm not call, I'm not calling people out. I'm not calling people's names who did who didn't. But it happens, dude. Bro. Roddy White
4: played wide receiver for the Falcons. He's a great UAB blazer. He's like six four.
1: I've it's, met you, Roddy. You're not you're not six no, four. But it's it's look, man. This is the life that I've lived since Roddy White got drafted by the Falcons, and this became a two Roddy town. When you have a unique name like Roddy, and you are the second famous of two, you you get called the other guy's name sometimes. It happens. Well, wait until Rodrigo Blankenship becomes, you know, like a, Roddy Blankenship. A, a, hey, I mean, it could it,
4: it could happen. You got a hot rod right up the road there in Athens.
1: Oh, uh, he's your he's your favorite kicker's favorite kicker. I mean,
4: he's you know he's he's a stud. What can we which, say? What, speaking of which, what do you think of Georgia this weekend? You know, I. I've got thoughts on Georgia, but we've okay. got David Hale coming on. Okay. And okay. I think David Hale's actually got some thoughts on Georgia, too, based on his uh, Twitter feed anyway. He's, uh, he's pumped out some stats about Georgia's offense not exactly taking the number of downfield risks or chances as some of these other "quote unquote" elite offenses uh, that we've talked about here on the show, why don't we take a break? We'll bring in David Hale from ESPN, talk a little ACC and national college football with our man David Hale. Coming up next year, Tuesday edition, College Sports Now.
2: The biggest schools. Touchdown, Penn State, Alabama, Alabama. Oklahoma, Ohio. We'll win. The big, big, biggest games. Big. Kick is good. The Longhorns lead. Intercepted it. at the goal line. The Dogs have picked it up Reliving the weekend on the gridiron. It's the college football rewind.
3: Throws over the middle. Pass broken up, and the Huskies are going to win the game. get going to pick it.
2: Download on Sunday mornings on Apple Podcasts.
3: This place, it's an inside
2: asylum. Search college sports now.
4: Tuesday edition of College Sports Now rolls on alongside Roddy Jones. I'm Stephen Hartzell, and we're pleased to be joined now by our man David Hale from ESPN, ACC Network. Kind of a jack of all trades, uh, David, and thank you so much for making the time for us, man. You're, you're kind of all over the place, so we, there's a lot that we want to cover ACC stuff, a little national stuff. You had some interesting nuggets about Georgia over the weekend that Roddy and I wanted to ask you about in that offense, but let's start in the ACC. I feel pretty confident in who the best team in the league is. I feel pretty confident in knowing who the worst team in the league is. Roddy, apologies to your alma mater. But in terms of everything in between, what do you make of the ACC so far this season?
3: Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, start me out with an easy one here, right? Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think most of it is probably pretty bad. Um That badness has translated into some good games, at least. Uh, For pure entertainment value, the ACC has been fun. But, yeah, I mean, you look at Miami and you say, that looks like a terrible team at times. You look at Virginia Tech, and certainly they've played horribly at times. Um, Syracuse got destroyed by a mediocre Maryland team. Um, You know, pretty much everybody has had – they are down moments outside of the top three at this point, which is Clemson, Virginia, and uh, Wake Forest. And um, I, if you're, look, I think it's great for their, for Wake Forest and Virginia that they're playing this level of football. I don't think that they should be doubted uh, to the degree that they probably are. But the flip side of that is the ACC is not winning over any pundits with Virginia and Wake Forest. Going to be looked at as products of a bad league as opposed to teams that are really sort of on the up-and-coming path. So th- the bigger problem that the ACC has is that Florida State has not played well, Miami has not played well, Virginia Tech has not played well. Um, that's that's sort of the story if you're uh, trying to discuss the ACC at this point. And, and whatever order, pecking order, you want to put them in, I'm not sure that it really matters from week to week because I think jumbled so closely that the margin between being, I don't know, the fourth or fifth best team in the, in the conference, which is probably Pitt or Florida state and being the 12th or 13th best team in the conference is very slim at this point.
1: David, you didn't include Pitt in in that, in that conversation with the other three, uh, in terms of, scale, I know what happened with the Delaware game, obviously, but in terms of schedule, when they are healthy, they've played pretty well. Where do you see the Panthers down the stretch?
3: Uh, you know, I think they look a lot like some of the flawed ACC teams in a lot of areas. They've really struggled to run the ball consistently this year, and so you see something like that show up in the Delaware game, where, look, I know they didn't have a number of their key players in that game, but this is versus Delaware. They should have just been able to out physical them and and that was not the case so I think it while I don't put a whole lot of stock in that game I do think it's sort of underscore where the weakness on on Pitt's offense is they're just relying very very heavily on Kenny Pickett in the passing game right now which is just not the MO of a Pat Narduzzi team or a Pittsburgh team in general now the flip side of that is that's a borderline elite defense right now. And the crazy thing is that they've got two of their best pass rushers are out for the season, that they lost one before the year and one in week one. And they are really uh, have been close to dominant on defense this year. And and look, I I don't – certainly the way that the Duke came back is not super exciting if you're Pittsburgh. UCF had a similar thing. Pitt's kind of lucky to have gotten away with, with both of those wins. On the other hand, they very easily could have beaten Penn State. I mean, it pits sort of a very good synopsis of where the ACC is. They might be good. They're definitely flawed. There's a lot to like. There's definitely some stuff not to like. All of that in the ACC probably adds up to the fourth or fifth best team in in the league. And, And you could probably say something very similar about Florida State, which I think is sort of in a similar boat of there's some real talent there. There's also some real question marks.
4: Uh, David, I do want to get your thoughts on on Florida State and Clemson before we let you go. Uh, the line is astronomical, which is, I mean, it no one's probably surprised by that, but still, I just I can't wrap my head around a, a quarter century of uh, of points between uh, Florida State and Clemson, and that's where we're at. I, I'll get you that that game coming up in a little bit. Your your thoughts though on what you saw in South Florida between Virginia Tech and Miami over the weekend, a, a pair of teams that at times just really didn't want to win that game. Uh, Virginia Tech ended up getting it done, but that was a wacky one.
3: Uh, yeah, probably one of the crazier games we're going to see this year. And, and I don't know how much to take from it. I mean, if you want to be an optimist, you look at Virginia Tech and you say, hey, we finally got the offense going. That's good. And the defense played pretty well and and had four picks in the game. And, and those things are good. I mean, you look at Hendon Hooker's actual numbers, though, and he – was 10 for 20 passing, and, yes, three of them went for touchdowns. That's good. But Miami also had no tape on Hendon Hooker. There was no prep for Hendon Hooker. It was not – I think you get sort of – you will see more teams sort of adjust to what he can do. Now, I think what he does bring to Virginia Tech is a little bit of a running element from the quarterback, which, given how much they've struggled to run the ball any other way, I think is sort of a necessity if you want to get that offense going. So maybe some hope for Virginia Tech. Certainly they're in a better place day than they were on Friday. Um, I mean, similar story, I guess, for Miami. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Nakosi Perry comes in and, and played really, really well. I mean, that was he didn't even start, and he he had the most passing yards by a Miami Miami quarterback in like seven years. So that's all good. But I mean, we've seen these flashes from Nakosi Perry before. I don't know that that guarantees any future success either. So. You know, again, if you want to be an optimist, there's stuff to like from both of those performances. There's plenty not to like, too. And, and you know, I sound like I'm on repeat here, but this is sort of how the ACC is. There's there's a couple of teams that are really good all around, and then a whole bunch of teams that, um, if you're a glass-half-full person, you say have some potential. But if you've watched the games, you also can come up with a pretty extensive list of reasons why they're not very good.
1: David, North Carolina is three and three Boston college is three and three Louisville's three and two, uh, Florida state now three and two. Who's the biggest surprise, uh, of the league so far through six weeks?
3: Well, I think Carolina, I don't know that I'm surprised by it because I thought they were much better than their record indicated last year. Um, and what they've been is a team that is three and zero against their lesser opponents and zero and three against their better opponents. Um, I don't know that that's really much different than I would have expected. I think that they are a team that is, you know, I would have said at the beginning of the season I thought they were a 6-6 six six team. I thought they were going get to get to a bowl. I didn't think they were great. Now, they have played much better probably than a 3-3 three and three record would look. I mean, certainly the game against Clemson is a perfect example. Sam Howell's going to be something special. Uh, the resiliency that he's shown, the attitude that he's shown, and I think you're seeing Phil Longo and that offense get more and more comfortable with him. I would not be surprised if at the end of the year we're looking at a 7-5, and five, maybe if everything goes right an 8-4 and four North Carolina team. And that would be pretty surprising to me. Um, I'm not entirely shocked that Louisville is better either. They really had nowhere to go but up. And I really do like Scott Satterfield a lot. I thought he has really changed the culture within that locker room. But just how much better they've been in the short term is surprising because even the games that they've lost, whether it was the Florida State game where they came back and and had a chance to win it at the end, Notre Dame, who they played really tough. I mean, this is the exact opposite of what Louisville was last year, where they just didn't even show up for most games. They have been in pretty much every game that they've played and have looked really good, even if they are clearly out-talented in a few of them. I'm I'm. Very impressed with what Scott Satterfield's done
4: at Louisville. Uh, Yeah, no doubt. Satterfield's done an an impressive job there. And granted, the bar was extremely low uh, with what Bobby Petrino left. Uh, I'm curious to get your takes on Florida State-Clemson this weekend, David. It's a 26-point line.
3: Yeah. So I think, you know, Florida State doesn't have any fans caught on camera reading a book in the fourth quarter this year. That's a, a big step forward. Um, You know, look, this is uh, a Florida State team that is going to be a work in progress. I think everybody knew that coming in. And the offensive line has really, I'm not sure if it's been dramatically better than it was last year, but the offensive scheme has helped quite a bit. Um, They've gotten some deep balls that that they've connected on, and Cam Akers has been, I mean, look, this, this very well might be a winless team without Cam Akers. But with him, they are uh, a legitimately functional offense, which they were not last year. So a lot of it, to me, it comes down to the line of scrimmage, though. I mean, if they are going to get housed at the line of scrimmage by Clemson, which they certainly did last year, uh, they're going to be in trouble. And and the offensive line is not great, as I said. The defensive line has had its moments, but not been nearly as consistent as you would hope for a unit that, that I think a lot of people thought would be the strength of Florida State coming into the year so they've got to get some push and and, and kind of corral travis etn make trevor lawrence a little uncomfortable as as north carolina was very capable of doing a couple of weeks ago uh if they can do that i think they can keep the game close and if cam acres and and the offense can consistently move the ball then they've got a chance um i i would probably take the points with florida state i don't think i that Uh, I'm picking Clemson to win by 30. Um, Is that progress if you're Florida State? Maybe, maybe, because certainly it was not that close last year. Uh, But the other on the flip side, you know, we have not seen a consistent enough Florida State team to say much of anything about them at this point.
4: Uh, Just a quick follow up on Clemson, though, David, like when we get to late November, early December and we're looking back at Clemson's schedule and we say, wow, the only ranked team they played was Wake Forest. Is that going to change at all the way you evaluate what Dabo's guys have done?
3: Not really. I mean, if what you're seeing from Clemson is what we see from Clemson every year. They kind of mess around with some personnel and some scheme and do some different things and test the waters and dip their toe in the water to, to see how things work in September and play a few closer games than people expect. And everybody says, "What's what's the deal with Clemson? And then they go out and win every game in October and November by 40, and everybody says, "Oh yeah, Clemson's fine." The the knock this year will be the schedule, but I, I mean, what does Clemson have to prove, right? I mean, they're they're coming off a national championship. We know who Trevor Lawrence is, and Justin Ross, and T. Higgins, and Travis Etienne. These guys are not unknown commodities. The defense has played really well so far. That was the question mark coming in, and I think that has certainly been answered thus far. And Uh, Look, they can't help who's on their schedule. I would not recommend losing a game because that's when resume is going to come into the conversation and they're not going to have it. Uh, And I think probably if they don't want to have to deal with a bunch of unpleasant questions, winning another game by a point because the team didn't convert on a two-point conversion is probably not advisable either. I want to see Clemson flex Clemson muscle down the stretch. I certainly think that that's They're more than capable of doing that, and it really fits with the um, sort of typical narrative that Dabo Sweeney's teams have had of late, is that they start semi-slow because they're kind of figuring out who they are and what they can do, and all of that, you know, they flip that switch sometime in, in early October. I think, again, because of the schedule, it makes a lot of sense to try to flip that switch sooner than later, though.
1: All right, David. Uh, a couple of games coming up this weekend that are interesting: Oklahoma versus Texas, obviously noon. Uh, the Red River rivalry. Oh man, I get terrified. Yeah, you, every you got time caught I say up that. there. Yeah, you you tripped did. up a I little did. bit. I Stumbled. I stumbled. It, it, it was a mental thing. But the uh, that game, the Oklahoma-Texas game, and then uh, Florida LSU the night game. Well, either one of those games stand out to you as really intriguing.
3: You know, I'll be fascinated a little bit because we've not – look, I'm not going to ever doubt Lincoln-Riley's offense, right? And Texas's defense has not been great this year, so I fully expect Oklahoma to put up some points in that game. What I'm really curious about, because we have not seen them tested against a, a really good offense, is how much has Oklahoma improved defensively? Alex Grinch seems like he's done a nice job. Everybody kind of wants to write the narrative now that, that, oh, this is a much different defense. I don't know. What if we, I mean, you know, I guess they're better than they were against bad teams last year, but um, I want to see them really slow down an elite offense. And Texas has been that so far. Sam Ellinger's having a terrific season. Um, so I, to me, I, regardless of who wins, and, and I would pick Oklahoma at this point, I, I really want to see how the Sooners defense is going to play against Texas. And then, look, it, I. Sort of a similar, I guess, discussion point is it's really easy to get excited about LSU's offense because it's so dramatically improved from what we've seen from LSU for so long. That has sort of hidden a little bit that the defense has not been great, Uh, particularly the back end of the defense, which is, you know, you've got Grant Delpit and, and Derek Stingley and some legitimate stars back there. So, look, Kyle Trask has been fine thus far better than probably you could have expected, but this is a game where LSU's defense needs to go and show out. And if they don't do that, then I don't know that I'm ready to put LSU into that category of legitimate national championship contender. I want to see them go out and really shut down Florida's offense. Look, I I, I would pick LSU and I will pick uh, Oklahoma to win. I feel fairly confident in that for both of them, but win or lose, there's some stuff I want to see from both of those teams before I'm ready to say hey we've got real national championship contenders here
0: how
4: short is that list for you david of legit national title contenders because i think you know alabama and clemson are on that list but then you've got georgia you've got ohio state you've got lsu that you mentioned oklahoma how many teams are you putting in that list alongside alabama and uh, clemson
3: so i think if you want to say playoff teams it's probably a longer list if you want to say who can actually win it all well, look, we know Alabama and Clemson, and that's the standard. They've, they've set the standard. So, to me, it's always, is there somebody or a few somebodies who can legitimately play with them at the highest level on the biggest stage? I feel pretty good about where Ohio State's at right now. Justin Fields, I think, is still developing, but his mobility has really opened up that run game, whereas last year when you had more of a pure pocket passer in Dwayne Haskins, they just really struggled to run the ball consistently. And on the other side, after Bosa went down early in the year, they just were not great consistently up front. Both of those things are dramatically improved this year. Ohio State, to me, is in the conversation with Clemson and Alabama. Everybody else, I kind of want to see something. Now, Georgia's been knocking on the door with Bama the last couple of years, so I I would probably put them there. But they really have not stretched the field much. And I look and say, like, all right, you come up against Clemson or Alabama where they bring those – big old defensive lineman at you and really kind of uh, you know can be both physical and athletic up front and maybe they slow down that little those jet sweeps and the little screen passes and the dink and duck passing game and shut shut down your running game what do you do is there a plan B for Georgia offensively and and I'd love to see that from them again LSU I think has a lot to like but the defense has not played great Oklahoma has a lot to like but we still have questions about the defense I, I'm not sure that I'm ready to put any of them aside from ohio state in the yes i think they can win it all i, I think i haven't i certainly wouldn't eliminate any of them at this point But otherwise i think this weekend will be so interesting because it's not so much about can they win these games i think they can it's about can are they going to show enough to me that i think they can win a game in january and that that to me is the thing that we're going to learn this weekend about a couple of these teams
4: Good stuff. At a David Hale joint on Twitter. Obviously they can, uh, our listeners can check out your work on ESPN. Well, what else are you doing these days, David? I know you're doing some stuff with the ACC network. Where can our folks find you?
3: Yeah. So, you know, doing a few TV things here and there. I don't know why they keep putting me on. It can't be good for ratings, but um, <laughs> you know, happy to do it. Uh, working on a few other things. Got a story on LSU in Florida coming up this week. I think it'll be out on Wednesday and I'm, uh, working on a whole bunch of other stuff, and of course, like I said, you know, Twitter is my my avenue to be obnoxious on a daily basis. So if you really crave some David Hale obnoxiousness, that's really your your best your best uh, template for it. It's Who?
1: the best kind of obnoxiousness, David. It is highly entertaining at all times. Who
4: comes at you the most on Twitter, David? I mean, you you kind of take shots at everybody. You, you're not you don't play favorites. But but what fan base just can't get enough of of your social media feed?
3: You know, I think consistently I have to give it to Miami fans. They are always mad at me about something that their team did, and and I'll, I'll take that I'll because ta- I love Manny Diaz. I will take that burden for him uh, so they can go ahead and be mad at me for a little while while he gets things figured out there.
4: <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, always appreciate the time and the insight, David. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll do it again soon, all right? Thanks so much.
3: All right, guys. Good to talk to you.
4: There you go. Good stuff. Uh, we'll keep it rolling Tuesday edition of College Sports Now coming up after this. This is Stephen Hartzell, host of the College Football Blitz. Join us Saturday for live whip-around coverage of week seven's biggest games. Number six, Oklahoma, facing 11th-ranked Texas. The minister, Breach. Number ten, Penn State, at 17th-ranked Iowa. Touchdown, Penn State. A top ten battle between number seven, Florida, and fifth-ranked LSU. Touchdown! Touchdown! And everything in between. It's the College Football Blitz, starting at noon Eastern Time on ESPNU Radio, Channel 84. All right, we appreciate our man, David Hale, from ESPN, joining us, uh, ACC Network, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. That's pretty much what the worldwide leader does these days. At a David Hale joint on Twitter. Uh, while uh, I'm not to say that I was distracted from what David Hale was bringing to the conversation. That was good stuff. But Never. Roddy, while uh, David was going on some long-winded answers there, I, I was jotting down my list of uh, top 10 college I football was, quarterbacks. I was, too.
1: I was, too. We can circle back on this. In all 2019. Right.
4: Okay. Now... I think Tua and Trevor are on that list at the top for both of us. Okay? Yep. Yep. Tua and Trevor. But I got to about five and six on my list before I – Slotted our boy Sam Ellinger in there, and yeah. I'm curious to know how far down the list you got, since you maintain that Ellinger is not a top ten college football quarterback. I, I got to
1: I got to eight. He's at eight for me. Okay, he's at eight. So now, now, so I, so, so I, I take that back. I apologize to all Texas fans, and I apologize to Sam Ellinger. He's at eight for me, and to me, because I you you said I was wrong, and, 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 and to you, okay, and to you, got it. Okay. So okay. you got no, to you eight. know what I I take back my apology to you. Why? Because I don't apologize to you. Okay, sometimes fine. you're wrong. Sometimes you're right. Fine. It's fine. It all comes out in the wash. Who'd you have at three? Uh, Jalen Hurts. Interesting. Who'd you have? Uh, Jake Fromm. Oh, I
4: had Jake Fromm State Farm at five after Joe Burrow. Where is uh, I had Burrow at five.
1: Where's Herbert? Uh, Six. I had him at four. Interesting. I've got Hurts at six. And... I've also got a I've got Jordan Love at seven. Too, come on, man. Like, come, come
4: on. Get get out of here with that. Get at
1: me, bro, dude. Turn watch that dude play. Watch him play. Inferior uh, supporting cast, but he is incredible. Put him. You could put him on. Uh, well, according to my list, you put him on seven teams, and he's starting for him.
4: Okay, fine. Well, all that, but seven teams. Excuse that, okay, me. Okay, fine. I, I, oh God, was Shea Patterson on
1: your list, bro? Don't come out with the clown stuff there. <laughs> Shea Patterson would have been on my list two years ago. <laughs> was, was Brock Purdy on your list? No, Brock Purdy was not on my was list. Was Ian no. Book on your list? No, no. Ian, yeah, Ian Book was uh, down below Ellinger. He was at 9 or 10.
4: Okay. Interesting.
1: Yep. Yeah, Brock Purdy was not on the list, though.
4: I not have on Patterson on my list at 10. What? Dude, what? I know. Oh, what? I, that's my point. I was. This com- is in 2016. I, no, I I realized that, but I'm listing the top 10 quarterbacks in college football, and to your point, you can only get to about five or six before you're like, yeah, I got to put Ellinger in here, and I got to nine, and I was like, who's next?
1: Shea. No. Shea pa- Nate Stanley's better than Shea Patterson. They yeah. just played each other, and he threw three picks. Yeah. I look. I, I I'm just. It's up for debate. But the point it's is, not, that is not up for debate. Shea Patterson is not a top 10 quarterback in the country. It's uh, not up for debate. Yeah. Like, well, you can go to Alan Bowman at Texas Tech before you get to Shea Patterson. Alan Come Bowman on, hasn't
4: been Alan Bowman can't stay healthy. Well, I, that, I don't, you don't can't hold that against him. Well, I, you
1: kind of can if he can't
4: play Roddy. I mean, you know, at some point I need the dude to it's actually not the healthiest play
1: quarterback. It's the best quarterback. And he's he's better than Shea Patterson. Where
4: do you put Justin Fields? Because the body of work is very small. Oh, he's i
1: uh, I'm not ready to put him in the top 10 yet, but okay. he's like, he, he's like an asterisk knocking he, on the door. Oh well, yeah. He's, he's, he should be from a talent perspective. He should be there, but I've seen him for four, what, four or five games. They played five games, I've seen him five games worth. Now, if that continues, is he a top 10 quarterback? Absolutely. Absolutely. But also Sam Howell is a top 10 quarterback if we're talking about five games worth. So
4: yeah. That's good stuff. No, I, look, I'm, I'm here for the top 10 quarterback debate. Uh, that's, better, that's better fodder for like July when people are just chomping at the bit for college football. Concert. No,
1: but, but see, that's the thing. Like we have those arguments in July, but now's where we're actually seeing them play. So we have other stuff to talk about, but the real evaluation, the best time to do it is now because we're seeing these guys play every week. I saw all these guys play last week, so I can make a real evaluation on where they're at instead of having seen them play 10 months ago and having a guess. I think it's time we had Rod Stradamus appear
4: early in the show but I I when he guessed the Florida LSU line cuz he claims he didn't look at it before I asked him I did Do you want to take a stab at some of these other lines because the the week 7 slate like I got to be honest I I know we, this is a hype machine and we we all want great games but I do feel like week seven is actually going to deliver with some of these.
1: Um, oh, I see. You can't build it up like that. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment.
4: I, look, you've got you've got the Red River rivalry.
1: Oh, Texas. I see. Good job. You Thank went you. slow there. Yeah, it's you got to
2: slow it down. What's the rush? What's the rush? <laughs> <laughs> Why even do it to yourself, though? It's it's called the Red River showdown now. Just is make it?
4: it easier on your life. hang on a second. Is that, that change? That's correct. Is that real?
2: Yeah, it's the Red River showdown.
1: Is that Yeah, the because marketing? nobody can say triple R. That's exactly. the marketing
4: wing of this. That, that's what that is. I think whoever has paid for the rights to this has called it the Red River Showdown. We all know what it used to be called. We can't say it anymore because it's 2019 and we can't use that word, but we all know what it used to be called, and that's what it is because the over-under 75 points. There's going to be a ton of offense in this game. That said, Texas-Oklahoma at noon. Cotton Bowl. Let's go. That's going to be awesome. Then the 330 slate takes over. Alabama at Texas A&M. Hmm? Hmm? What do you think? No. You want to guess the line?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, I said 17 and a half earlier. I'm going to go back to 17 and a half, 16 and a half. Which one is it?
4: 16 and a half. Ha ha. I'm guessing. The line is, in fact, 17 and a half. Oh, man. Is it really? Yes, it it is. At this moment, (gasps) that could change. That that will Uh, be and probably should be closer to three touchdowns by the time Saturday rolls around. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. We've seen Alabama trail one time this year. And I could be wrong on this, but I mean, Ole Miss led them 10-7 in uh, Tuscaloosa two weeks ago. It was a very brief period of time when they trailed. You know, Clemson's been tested, you know, granted it was North Carolina, but still, that's a team that had to play from behind. It was tied up late. We saw them play a full four-quarter football game, even though they didn't have their A stuff. They had probably their C-minus or D-plus stuff that day, and they still got it done. Are we going to see Alabama play a four-quarter football game on Saturday?
1: Uh, I, I hope so. It'll be interesting to see the, the tactics that Texas A&M takes because against Clemson, they kind of played the conservative, we're going to keep everything in front, shorten the ball game, keep this offense from having any big plays. They played like that. I would expect a similar, uh, a similar approach with Alabama because they've got a different group of receivers than Clemson does. Clemson's receivers, um, bigger, much more physical, uh, great in the air. Alabama's receivers can flat out fly. It's more of a finesse group than what you get with Clemson. So it's, it's interesting the difference, and and I saw it up close and personal. Uh, it, it, sometimes it's easier to play those big, bigger physical receivers because they're going to rely on 50-50 balls and using their, their length. And if you have a good day, you can knock a couple balls down and your defense looks really good. Uh, against Alabama, they're not going to play that way. Sometimes, and, and it depends on the group that you have in the secondary. But – covering a bunch of guys that can absolutely fly you make one mistake with your eyes and that dude's past you and they've got a guy that can get them the football so it'll be interesting to see what the difference is between how they played clemson how they play alabama uh and, and then ultimately where this game ends up because texas a&m scored one late on clemson to make it look respectable when it was actually more like a twenty twenty-four 24 to 3 ball game it ended up being 24 to 10 because Uh, Jimbo Fisher was calling timeouts to get the ball in the end zone.
4: Yeah, it's called leaving the back door open, okay? Good coaches win, (laughs) great coaches cover.
1: Uh, There's a difference.
4: And, you know, Dabo, love you, buddy, but, you know, don't leave the back door open. That's all I'm (laughs) saying. Michael Felder from Stadium TV, who we have on the show every Friday, maintains, and I think he's right, that post-Texas A&M-Clemson, these Aggies just haven't been right. Like, he feels like Clemson just kind of snatched their soul a little bit. Because you go back and look at the Auburn game, they were bad, you go back and look at the Arkansas game. I mean, they struggled to beat the the Piggies for God's sakes. I mean, just something something's been a little off. So we'll see what they did in the bye week. But uh, heavy underdogs at home against Alabama. Yeah, and was, that, as that, as that's well a three thirty kick yeah. in College Station. Does Florida State Clemson do anything for you? We talked about it with David Hale. Tigers are a twenty six point
1: favorite against the Knolls. Um, uh, I I don't think Clemson's going to have any trouble. The, the thing with Florida State is they're going to play great for about a quarter, maybe maybe a half. Uh, can they, how many points can they get in that quarter or half? They they have not played a complete football game really yet this year. So, so um, can they, can they sustain that at all? And, and then the other thing is what's the health of James Blackman? Uh, I, I, Look, Alex Hornibrook has played pretty well so far. Uh, I say that hesitantly because he's, he's played gotten... better than Blackman. No, he hasn't. Come on. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Go So, look, you go back to the game that, that Alex Hornibrook just played, okay? um There was a long catch and run. He's gotten some help from some people around him. They were able to run the ball a little bit. No, he is not. James Blackman is not the issue with that football team, okay? Like, let's just get that clear. The issue are the five dudes in front of him who are trying to block defenders. Correct. And they've done it in different ways, but both of them have been fairly effective against that. Alex Hornibrook, if he starts, like I'm not going to sit here and argue, but James Blackman should not lose his job due to injury because he was not the issue. He and he didn't, and, and Alex Hornibrook didn't necessarily play better than him. Uh, I, NC State's got some issues on defense that might be, uh, honestly, looking at looking at the Florida State's schedule: Boise State, ULM, Virginia, Louisville, NC State. NC State's defense may be the worst, probably second worst. ULM can't stop the run, so so the second worst defense on that list i take Louisville's defense over NC State's right now. I'm
4: looking at some stats, and I know you just, you just threw out stats because you're like, oh, man, long, long yak. You you, Hornybrook doesn't get credit because that was a short pass and a long run, but, I mean, 74% completion rating for Hornybrook to Blackman's 69, close, comparable. Nice. Five touchdowns yeah, yeah. to zero interceptions for Hornybrook. Nine TDs, two interceptions for Blackman. Look, it's comparable, okay? It's comparable. Blackman's been sacked 11 times, by the way. It's just, I, I don't know. I think it's close. It's close.
1: Here's here's, here's the issue for Florida State on Saturday. Uh, they have been abysmal at sorting out how to how to pass off blitzes, how to pick up blitzes on the offensive line. Um, and, and this is a Clemson team that's going to move more than any team that they have faced so far this year. They're going to test every single aspect of pass protection for Florida State and by the way they're going to do it with players that are better than everybody on Florida State's team with the exception of Cam Akers because no disrespect to that dude that dude can play that's going to be the issue can they block Clemson uh, in the pass game and and you know if you decide to start to get the ball out quick then Clemson what Clemson's going to do is they're going to take number 11 Isaiah Simmons they're going to, they're going to move him around and make you do things that you don't want to do or else he's going to erase them like if you're going to get to that quick game underneath stuff, the stuff right at the line of scrimmage, they're going to put Isaiah Simmons out there and he's going to totally shut it down. Uh, and then you get the guys up front going in and, and look, it, it, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see Florida state sticking around in this game at all. Okay. Well, again, it's a 26
4: point line. It's, it's aggressive. Uh, does Southern Cal at Notre Dame do anything for you? Saturday night, seven thirty kick NBC.
1: Uh Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a historic rivalry. So absolutely. It does something for me. Um, I don't uh, do you know do you know what USC is right now I I, I don't have a good. they are a three and
4: two team, football man. team they are well, winless away from home for what it's worth they have not won two. a game away from the Coliseum
1: this year uh, that, and that is worth something so uh, I don't think that game ends up being close but USC to me is weird man you know they get Utah at home and they beat him with the third string quarterback and then you go up to Washington and lay an egg I, I don't know man I, I can't figure out a lot of teams in my own conference, much less the Pac-12. Like, I don't know. What are you going to get? I don't know. Well, Wayne Cook would tell you because it's it's parody and
4: it's just so tough and rigorous because you got to play a nine-game conference schedule, blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah. Southern well, Cal's playing for a lame
4: look, duck head coach. I mean, let's I, be honest. Unless they I, beat Notre Dame, this is a 3-3 three and three football team, and Clay Helton's going to go. I mean, you got a new athletic director coming in there. You think That's not me saying he needs to go. That's me saying... It's gonna ha- like it, it's gonna happen. Like, let's just acknowledge it. There's gonna be a new guy coaching there. It's that's tough. That's a tough spot for Southern Cal. It's a tough spot. By is the it, way, the
1: line is 11 on Saturday night. Is it? A, you mean it's a tough spot going to Notre Dame, or it's a tough spot where they're at? Because this is like, I mean, think about the, the when you talk about the historic programs in college football. A lot of the historic programs have faded over the years. Army historic program, of course, they're not where they were. You know when they in the in the 1940s you better hope jeff munkin's not listening to this right now he's I gonna come Coach at you, Monk. I, know I, love you Coach Monk. I know you i know you're not a national shots. championship contender i'm Correct. not taking shots that's
4: a fact <laughs> no i know uh,
1: but you look at teams like oklahoma you know still there you look at teams like like pittsburgh you know uh, fantastic 50 60s, 70s uh, into the 80s and now pat narduzzi's trying to get them back there but they're not in the national championship conversation so when you have the discussion on where these teams should be i think when you look at Overall, history, tradition, resources, brand, where they are right now, USC is the number one offender in the entire country, aren't they? Michigan, maybe? But, but Michigan's playing in bigger bowl games than USC is. So, so that's, a, that's a fun discussion that
4: I'm here for, if it wasn't so late in the show. Fair. Is, is Southern Calais top five program in college football today, right now? Absolutely, it's a top five job. Is it a top five program based on where they've been? No, no, not lately. I mean, they, they need to get back. By the way, Clemson, for what it's worth, is that a top five job in college football? No, I don't think it is. It's a top five program. Is that a top five destination in college football? Only because of what Dabo's done in the last five years. But 10 years ago, absolutely not. No, no way. It, it's a top five program because they're winning at a consistent level and they've got two of the last three natties, but come on. Look,
1: man, that's a top five job in the country right now.
4: It's a top we, five program. It's not a top, top five, five program. Job. Top five job. Roddy, top five program, Are top we really going to do this? Yep. It's ahead of Notre Dame. It's ahead yep. of Oklahoma. It's ahead of yep. Texas. It's ahead of yep. Southern Cal. Yep. It's in that echelon. It's ahead of yep. Ohio State and Michigan.
1: I uh, would not I put it ahead of Ohio State. I'd put it ahead of Michigan. No way. Yep. No. Look at what look look at what Dabo's making. Look at what his assistants are making. Look at where he is from a recruiting standpoint. It's look there today. Look at where he look at where he is as the lead. no, look at where he is as. You got to zoom it, out, out here. It's there for
2: the future as well, my friend. No, yep. it's uh, with all the money that's been. Funneled into that program for facilities, the facilities, exactly for, for the, the support that they have ongoing for the alumni base that they have. It's a large school with a large enrollment. Guys, it's a top to five open up, job. If I were to open a a up
1: every job in the country, and you had to and you had to say, "All right, I'm taking that job for the next ten years," you're not getting past five before you hit Clemson. Yeah, you're you not. are. You're I just, just gave not. you seven. You're, okay. <sighs> okay.
4: Look. Look, guys, they've been playing college football for 150 years. You can't tell me that Clemson is a top five
1: job in college football. Not of all time, but if you're talking about for the next ten years, that's not here. That's a different discussion. That's a different discussion. That's a discussion discussion. that Cerber and I are having right now. Okay, well, you guys are talking about something different than what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. So if you're talking about history and tradition and all that stuff, no, Clemson's not there because they've won three national championships. Two of them have come in the last five. Two of them come in the last three years. But if you're talking about the last, you know, five years and the future ten, Clemson's absolutely a top five.
4: That's a different discussion. That's forecasting the future. I I don't know what I'm going to see in the future. I mean, ocean levels are rising. Clemson's pretty close to the sea. That's all I'm saying. All right. Army's Army's top five
1: job in your opinion? (laughs) No,
4: that's a different look. We're not saying all-time history. Look, Look, come on, man. This is a discussion we can have, Roddy, and I'm here to I'm here to have it. Okay. But I'm just saying, top five job in all of college
1: football. Clemson, no.
3: No.
4: That's so wrong. In 20, opinion. That, is,
3: that is
1: the worst take you've ever had on this program, yep. in, including Ole Miss beating Alabama. Uh, of course the
4: guy who works for the ACC Network is going to tell me that me poo-pooing in ACC school is wrong <laughs> and should not be allowed and is the worst take I've ever had. No, sir. Meanwhile, if you're you forgetting had, about you programs said... called Ohio State and Oklahoma and Notre Dame and Southern Cal. I mean, just come on. We can do this. Clemson's there it's comparable is it a top five lock no 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 no
1: no the fact that you threw in Southern Cal with those other schools right now with the fact that they haven't won anything meaningful since what 2004
4: but see we're having different discussions you're talking about the future you're talking about what things are going to look like in 2025 and 2030 down the road I get that they've got a putt-putt course at Clemson I get that they've got a claw-shaped pool awesome neat it's great we're talking about 150 years of college football. Don't come at me with Clemson top 5 job in college football.
1: No. Well, okay, I think you need to rephrase it. I think I think you're talking about program history, not not job cuz job means who's the best set up to have success.
2: Yep. The you past take... means jack in this conversation like okay. when you haven't done anything in, if... a, in in recent memory. Kids that are going to these schools like these fan bases, they don't remember USC being good, man.
1: That's true. That is a
4: fact. See, I don't think I don't I don't think that's true. I, I think Southern Cal's had a lot more recent success than you guys want to acknowledge. Having said that, do 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 tell,
1: Mister Hartzell, eleven so, and
4: three, more so a, than a school like Michigan. Michigan hasn't won a natty hey, since ninety
1: seven. Look, look, you, uh, you and I are on the same page with Michigan, but but it was only what seven years later that USC won one. A recruit, a recruit who is who is eighteen years old in twenty twenty. Was two years old the last time USC won a national championship? Tell me they remember that. Look, they don't, guys. I realize that we are doing the show in the
4: southeastern part of the country, but nationally, if you're going to tell me that Clemson has a stronger brand nationally, stronger brand <laughs> than a school like Southern Cal, they do.
1: You, no, 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 no. So, no, no. Serber, he's he's right on that, but you've Please. moved the goal. You've moved the goalpost.
4: Yeah, of course From a, we are. You, yes. yeah. No, yeah. You're, we're we're no, bouncing you, around. We're just, all over the you place. You just
1: moved yes. the goalpost. Yes. But yeah, yeah. of course, USC is a stronger brand nationally than Clemson's. Clemson's still building that. We saw stats this summer at the ESPN College Football Seminar Symposium talking about national brands in terms of recognition. Clemson's not in the top 15. There just haven't been good enough long enough for the sidewalk fan in Indiana to be like, hey, yeah, I love Clemson. That just hasn't happened fans yet. What you get don't with, like football. Which you get, fair? what you get with <laughs> USC or Notre Dame and all the like the the ones that your grandfather was reading about in the newspaper, where there was a one game on national television every week, and it was Notre Dame. Like, of course, those, those programs are going to have more fans. Nebraska, but you're not telling me that Nebraska is a better job than Clemson right now. No, you're not telling me that Miami is a better job than Clemson or Florida State or USC or Michigan. Like, don't come at me with that because that is emphatically not true and we can have the debate on texas too texas is probably in i mean we can go back and forth on that in terms of recent success and what they have to do from a recruiting standpoint facilities all that stuff texas a great job but clemson's right there with it oklahoma you could have that conversation as well I mean, obviously, they, they've got the past success, but but national championships recently, they got the Heisman Trophy winners, but facilities, recruiting base. Look, Clemson's got a lot of advantages that some of these other schools doesn't, so to dismiss it as if it's definitely not, there's no way. See, here's the deal, Roddy. We don't take phone calls on this year program. Uh, we do take
4: tweets, at CSNL tweets, if you want to uh, jump into our mentions. This is a fun conversation. I'm here to have it, because it gets you riled up. It gets a lot of people riled up, including Cerber, who's obviously a diehard Clemson fan. But having said that... Um, I I don't want to spend, we got to wrap the show up and there's two more games that I want to get your thoughts on. I'm here to re-rack this discussion though. My point though, well, one of them is that if and when Dabo leaves Clemson, because he's not going to be there forever. All right. Sorry, Serber, I hate to break it to you. But if and when Dabo leaves Clemson. That thing is not necessarily built to last. Like it's not going to be the established whoa, whoa, thing hold on. that you think is just going to keep playing for national championships the, for ten or twenty more seasons. That's what, all I'm
1: saying. What we've what we've learned though over the course of college football history is that none of them are guarantees. You just said when Bobby Bowden left, Florida State was going to be it. When Jimbo left, Florida State was going to be it. You just said you know when when, when Alabama Alabama had years. Of before Saban came, of not being very good. I mean, you can point USC. Like, all of them are subject to getting the right guy in at head coach. So to say that when Dabo leaves, you know, we, we're not sure if it's going to be the, the program that it is now, you can say that about everybody. That's probably
4: true. I mean, yeah, you're right, actually. Because all these programs, yeah, all of them. I mean, Michigan had some bad hires. And I'm not saying Michigan's back. They are, They are by no means back. Uh, as was evidenced by a ten to three win over Iowa. But yeah, I mean Brady Hoichrod. Yeah. yeah, no, you're yeah. not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, all right, that was fun. You, you guys got fired up there. All I had to we do is poke Clemson, it. and I just get instant reactions. Uh, Penn State <laughs> Iowa Saturday night. The Nittany Lions are favored on the road. It's a night game in Iowa City. I kind of feel like Iowa's going to bounce back here. But curious to get your takes on Penn State Iowa Saturday night. Seven thirty kick.
1: Um. Yeah, I, I think I think Iowa's gonna play well at home. They always play play well at Kinnick. That place gets weird at night, man. I mean, weird. They start waving at the at the hospital, and you get a little bit of juice. It feels like it feels like one of those games where you know Penn State comes in and and, and they look at Iowa in their last game and they think that hey, this is gonna be a, a cakewalk, and it's absolutely not. Um, I, I actually like Iowa to win the game, and and for no other reason, like I don't have any statistical breakdown reason, just because Iowa plays really well at home, at night. And this is a big game. They play big games at Kinnick, and they play well in big games.
4: Uh, That was, I mean, that's Rod Stradamus nailing the dismount there. You've got Iowa straight up at home to give Penn State their first loss of the season? Straight up, man. Wow. Okay. Uh, On Florida LSU, I think you think you got LSU rolling.
1: Yeah, I got LSU rolling in that one. I'll tell you the interesting game. The interesting game to me is Baylor-Texas Tech, or one of them. Because uh, Texas Tech's a little bit better than people think or, or people anticipated under Matt Wells in his first year, as we learned and, yesterday when yeah, uh, they, exactly. or I guess I should say Saturday when they took Oklahoma State behind the woodshed. Exactly. And 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 do we know? Like, it, are, are you buying stock in Baylor yet? I think Matt Rule has done a fantastic job with that program. But if they win this game, to me, it's a little bit of an announcement that hey, Baylor's going to be a contender. You know, I mean, Texas Tech's a good football team. We talked about Alan Bowman earlier in the in the podcast. Uh, Alan Bowman's playing pretty well for, for Texas Tech. Um, but if Baylor wins, you know, that's, that's, a, that's an announcement to me that, hey, this Baylor team, I need to start paying attention a little bit because they're going to have something to say about the Big 12. I like it. I mean, look, Matt Rule is
4: a heck of a coach. We had John Morris on the show last week. He knows what radio voice of the Bears, JMO, he's, he's plugged in. Hey, one game before I let you go, because I'm willing to admit, Roddy Jones, that you know more about college football than I do especially when it comes to the Atlantic coast conference. Okay. Explain to me why on Friday night, when Virginia travels down to South Florida to play the U in front of a half empty crowd with a bunch of disillusioned fans who will likely not care about the outcome. (laughs) Why Miami is favored over Virginia.
1: Um, because of Virginia's offensive line, Uh, because the last time we saw Virginia, um, it was it was uh, Bryce Perkins running for his life at Notre Dame. Uh, honestly, this feels to me, this feels to me like people are looking at the brands and not the team. This is a helmet game. It's a helmet game, and 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 I get that people don't really know what to do with Virginia. Uh, I I totally understand that because, like I said, the last time we saw him, Bryce Perkins was fumbling the ball three times. I think Notre Dame took one back for a touchdown. He got sacked uh, eight times. He got Notre sacked Dame. a ton. Yeah. Uh, and, and Miami theoretically is good up front. Um, unfortunately for Miami, they don't know who the starting quarterback is apparently now, and uh, and and they're they're sitting there at two and three. So um, I, I like Virginia in the game because I think their defense is going to be able to be. Uh, it, they're, they're, I trust their defense more against Miami's offense than I do Miami's defense against Virginia's offense. And Virginia can and likes to and has to win ugly.
0: All right.
4: That's that's what I needed. I mean, I just I'm I'm having a hard time understanding wh- why that is. What I mean, they're not a huge favorite. Miami's favored by one
1: against Virginia,
4: but still Friday Night Lights in South Florida. Nobody- the other
1: thing, the other thing that Vegas pays attention to is the records of the home teams and the home team since these two started playing. The home team six and one. So that's another one that you know the the, the smart people in Vegas start to look at and say, eh, you know, weird things happen. So- nice stat, by the way.
4: Yeah. Very good. Glad to see those ACC notes have already made their way to the Roddy Jones inbox. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Love it, uh, Roddy. Enjoy San Marcos. Did I get that yeah. right?
1: Yeah, you did. San Marcos. Is it on Texas. television? Well, obviously it's on television. Yeah, ESPNU. Nine fifteen. Okay. Yep.
4: I'll be there, man. Uh, thanks to David Hale. Thanks to Cerber. On behalf of the whole crew, I'm Stephen Hartzell. We are signing off for now. We are back on Thursday with our man Wayne Cook. We'll talk to him about the rough and rugged Pac-12. I'm sure he'll be on full defense mode, uh, as always. Roddy, great show, and uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy San Marcos, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. We'll get some Texas barbecue. I'll report back on how good it is. Okay, there you go. Texas barbecue and football. <laughs> See you guys on Thursday. So long.